Thank you, Vaughn. That is Vaughn Courtney, son of Dick and Yvonne Courtney, lives in El Paso, Texas, and was visiting family in Lawton, and on his way through, stopped to see his mom and dad and asked to minister to us this morning, and thanks for that request. We have uh, been ministered to. Well, last week, my family and I had a chance to go to New Life Ranch uh, in Oklahoma and uh, spend some time with... uh, David and Connie Jaquis and Chase and Erica Payne and kind of see them uh, up close and personal doing what they do in ministry at, at New Life Ranch. And so in some ways, I want to come back giving you a little bit of report of our time there and our chance to, to be with David and Connie in, in particular. The one thing that I appreciated that I wanted to share with you now having been there and seen things firsthand was the tremendous impact being made by the discipleship program that exists at New Life Ranch. In fact, I would go as far as to say that the ministry of New Life Ranch really is a discipleship program that happens to do camp instead of a camp that happens to do discipleship. You see, the effectiveness in their ministry uh, is based on their long-term investment in the lives of, of boys and girls who grow up to be young men and women, and they teach them what it means to walk with Christ and to serve others out of that relationship. And I know that because we had a, a first-hand experience because of the, the counselor that was assigned to our family, which is one of the unique things that they do during their family camp, is they assign a counselor to every single family that is there. And that counselor is there to do as much or as little as you want them to do. They were anything from a, a tour guide to a babysitter to a counselor to a friend. Um, there were even times where um, and I'm sure Shane and Ellen, you guys did the same thing. Terry and I just needed some time to, to walk through some things that we were learning. And so we'd say, hey, Sean, do you mind taking the boys and going swimming or something? And he said, oh, yeah, be glad to. And the boys just fell in love with our counselor, Sean. So they went and had a great time. Terry and I had some good time together as well. So it was really significant for us. You know, it just seemed like everything that they were doing there during that time we were with them was intended to help us have an enjoyable refreshing time while we were there it it was very obvious through our time with our counselor that they understood what it meant to walk with the lord and to experience and serve others out of that joy in the lord and they learned that i really believe in large part through the influence and discipleship of david and connie and their heart to disciple young men and women in the lord but the other thing that i learned that was I came out of a conversation that I had with, with David one time, is, he's, is just what a blessing it was for people from Melanie Park to be there. Um, he shared with me, just in all honesty, he said, you know, he says, there's been a fear for me that the longer that we were away from Melanie Park, that the less of a connection that we might have here. And he said, that's hard for us because we consider Melanie Park our church home, and we don't want to lose that connection. And so as much of a good time as it was for us, I really believe that it was a tremendous encouragement to David and Connie and and Chase and Erica uh, for us to be there and for for Shane and Ellen and their family and others from Melanie Park to to be a part of that. So with that in mind, I want to extend an invitation uh, for the families at Melanie Park who might be interested to join us next year. We're going back. We had a great time. And uh, I would ask you to do that or at least consider it Uh, knowing that there's a lot of great opportunities out there and everybody's summer gets really full. Uh, 
but the reason I think this is significant for us as a church family is because I was able to witness firsthand what a tremendous encouragement it is for David and Connie and Chase and Erica and the ministry they do at New Life Ranch to be refreshed by the time with people who come from their church home. It's just a blessing that goes both ways. It's mutual. You won't regret it. <laughs> Trust me, you're going to have a great time. But you're going to really see uh, a ministry to them and the encouragement you provide as well. So would ask for you to consider that. This morning, I want us to, to continue on in our study of what I'm calling disciplines of the inner life. Um, last week, we talked about the importance of immersing ourselves in the Word of God. We, we talked specifically about the importance of, of developing the discipline to listen, to read, and to sow the seed. I hope that you took me up on my challenge to devote just five minutes a day in God's Word. And specifically, I ask you to take a look at Psalm 119. Did anybody do that by chance? You got a few hands. I know Larry Brackett did it. He sent me an email just indicating what a blessing that was. And if you didn't, it's not too late. You can still do that this next week. It's a discipline. It takes only five minutes a day, and you'll be encouraged when you do. It, it reminds me of one of the things that probably impacted me most out of the time that we had at New Life and, and were able to sit under the teaching of, of uh, one of the individuals there, pastor up in, uh, from Tennessee, Murfreesboro. It, one of the things that he said, almost in passing, it really wasn't even a main point that he was trying to make, but he said this. He said, you will always develop an appetite for that which you routinely feed yourself. <laughs> I tell you, that caused me to stop and, and just think about what he just said. And I, and I want you to consider that. Listen to what he said. You will always develop an appetite for that which you routinely feed yourself. Dallas Willard makes a convicting observation on this subject. Listen to what he says. He writes this. The human body becomes the primary area of pleasure for the person who does not live honestly and interactively with God. If we are not living the great drama of goodness in God's kingdom, Willard says, sensuality through the body is all that is left under our kingdom. Now, as a man, I immediately understand this issue of sensuality. We live in the world where we're completely surrounded by the images and, and the language of sensuality. It's represented on billboards as big as your car. It's explicitly portrayed in television and in the movies. It's easily accessible just through a, a casual browse on the Internet. And we know all too well that if you are not disciplined, these small tastes that are presented to you, even when you don't go to seek them out, when this becomes a steady diet of your mind, in the absence of the discipline of refusal, you soon develop an appetite for more. And as Willard warns us, in the absence of an honest and interactive walk with God, personal pleasure becomes your kingdom. Personal pleasure now is not only limited to a sexual connotation. A steady diet as you look through home decor magazines can develop an appetite for more things, maybe a bigger home. You can develop that same type of appetite from sports talk radio and 
football games as you desire more entertainment and, and more celebration. None of these things in and of themselves are bad. But in the absence of an honest and interactive walk with God, personal pleasure will become your kingdom. You will always develop an appetite for that which you routinely feed yourself. And and what I want to show you this morning is that a steady diet of God's Word will create an appetite within you for that which is good, that which is right, that which is true, and that which is glorifying to God and His kingdom, not your own. And I do believe it begins with what we introduced the last time we walked through this together. Listen, read, and sow the seed. We talked about how Paul instructed Timothy, and and by implication the church of Jesus Christ, to devote ourselves to the public reading of Scripture. What we do on Sunday morning is not an elective. It is a required course in God's design for making disciples. But that's just the beginning. You'll remember Jesus' repeated words throughout Scripture when he asked the question, and I ask you, have you not read? Have you not read? We learn that each of us has an individual responsibility to not only hear God's Word read publicly, but also to read God's Word individually. This protects us from the dependence that we might create based on the opinion of of someone else without learning and understanding God's truth on our own. See, the, the Holy Spirit is our unifying teacher, not man. This goes back to what Roger talked about last week. You see, the Corinthians made the mistake of of devoting themselves to those who taught truth instead of individually seeking to know the one who is truth. And in the absence of an individual passionate pursuit of knowing God, our kingdom in the the forms of of factions and, and divisions will end up competing with his And one of the ways that that we avoid this is by that last point that we talked about, sowing the seed, taking what we hear, what we read, and then applying it to our life in order to, to harvest that truth. But let me ask you something. What must happen to a seed in order for the harvest to come? Remember? It has to die. Turn, if you will, to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. I want you to read along with me beginning in verse 24. John chapter 12, verse 24. It says, truly, this is Jesus speaking, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in this world shall keep it to to life eternal. 
If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall my servant also be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. A seed must die in order to bring forth a harvest. You can't build your kingdom and God's kingdom at the same time. You must die to self in order to truly live your life in Christ. A seed must die in order to bring forth a harvest. Now, we're probably not going to get through all the things that I have on your outline this morning, but that's okay. We'll just pick up next time where I leave off this morning. But, but I wanted to walk through with you the disciplines that I believe promote death to self. These are disciplines, disciplines of, of self-denial. They're all important, but I believe the first one is the easiest and yet most underutilized of the disciplines in our world today. Silence and solitude. Silence and solitude is so difficult because our world is so inundated by noise and activity. To the point that, that I personally feel that this steady diet of doing something makes it increasingly difficult to be something. Henry Nowen says that driving around the city where he lives is like driving through a dictionary. It's a world filled with words. Everywhere he looks, he says, it tells him, use me, take me, buy me, smell me, touch me, kiss me, sleep with me. This is the current of our culture that we live in. And unless we have the discipline to step away, it will drag us right along with it. That's why David writes in Psalm 46, Be still and know that I am God. I love the way Eugene Peterson paraphrases that same verse. He says, Step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God. I love that. A long, loving look. David recognizes if we do not step out of the traffic, the culture will drag us along. And let me just say that that includes the church culture. We can be equally as distracted by that which is evil and that which is good. Jesus knew this temptation because everywhere he went, crowds gathered with people wanting to hear him teach and and to see him perform miracles. On more than one occasion, in the midst of all these opportunities for ministry, the, the Bible tells us that Jesus found a lonely place to pray. See, a lonely place is a place to be alone, a place to, to step away from doing, even doing ministry, in order to focus on being, being in the presence of Him in whom we have all life and breath and everything else. And, and this discipline is so important to Jesus that not only did He practice this discipline, but he took a concert, made a concerted effort to teach this to his disciples. Turn, if you will, to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. 
verse 30. Listen to this. In the midst of the feeding of 5,000, it says that in verse 30, And the apostles gathered together with Jesus, and they reported to him all that had been done and taught. And he said to them, Jesus speaking, says, Come away by yourselves to a lonely place and rest a while. For there were many people coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. And they went away in the boat to a lonely place by themselves. But Jesus, there's ministry to be done. Come away. But Jesus, you don't understand. There there needs to be met. People to be cared for. I, I have a family. I have a job. I understand. Come away. Jesus lived it. Jesus taught it. Silence. And solitude is essential for living intimately and honestly in your relationship with God. In fact, let me give you three reasons why this is so critical to our lives, especially in our world today. The first one is related to what we just talked about. The separation from activity, even worthwhile ministry activity, protects us from falling into the trap of seeking God's approval by the things that we do. I distinctly remember the, the last men's retreat that I attended before I assumed the role of pastor here at Melanie Park. The transition was just a, a few weeks away, and we were discussing this as a group. And, and I remember very well Bill Hamilton uh, speaking up, and he, and he said something that I'll never forget. He said, Todd, he said, we need you to know that the most important thing that you can do as a pastor of this body is to lead us out of the overflow of your personal walk with Christ. I will never forget those words, and I am committed to following what I believe to be very wise and godly counsel. You see, there's never a shortage of needs to be met, both inside and and outside of the life of ministry, in our jobs, in our families. And so if we wait until all those needs are are taken care of, we will never, never take time to be alone. And very soon, we will find ourselves in a place where our relationship with God is based on what we are doing for Him instead of the strength that we gain from being With him. There's a difference. Bill's counsel really applies not just to me. It applies to every single one of us in this room. The most important thing that you can do as a husband, as a father, as a mother, as a wife, as a grandparent, as a student, is to love others out of the overflow of your personal walk with Jesus Christ. Choosing to come away, as Jesus would say, is important because that's the place where our cup is made full. Silence and solitude is the place where we die to the things that we do in our own strength, finding that our strength is in Him alone. Come away. 
another benefit of, of living this discipline is the value of learning to say no. I, I call this the discipline of refusal. <laughs> Remember Nowen's observation earlier? Use me, take me, fill me, buy me, smell me, touch me, kiss me, sleep with me. No, 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 no. Once again, we are working against the culture on this one. If you do not develop this discipline, you will get caught up in the current of our entertainment-oriented, self-gratifying society. And you will end up accepting all the invitations that the world has to offer. You'll sign your kids up for every single activity. You'll become a slave to social events, to to hobbies, to, to activities that you enjoy. You might even end up being so concerned about what everyone thinks you should be doing with your time that you lose the ability to discern what is best and right for you and your family. God eventually gets squeezed out of the equation. And we get lost in the tyranny of the urgent. Have you heard that? The tyranny of the urgent. Although you may feel stretched because there's just not enough time in the day. Have you ever felt like that? Well, the truth is, there's plenty of time in the day. The problem is, we often set aside what is important to take care of what is urgent. But here's the paradox. We do not possess the ability to manage what is urgent until we step away and do what is important. And listen to me. I want you to hear this very clearly. There is nothing, nothing more important in your life and in my life than the time we choose to spend cultivating a passionate pursuit of knowing Jesus Christ, especially in the context of stepping away to be still and quiet before the Lord. But this will require the discipline of refusal. You must say no to the urgent. But Jesus, look at all the needs that are around me. Look at all the activities there are to choose from that we can be involved in for the important. Come away. We need to die to the satisfaction that we gain from being needed to find strength in admitting the truth that we are needy. We are needy. From charting our own course to stopping long enough to listen so that you can follow His. You and I are dependent upon Christ to do something through us that we cannot do on our own. Not once, but every single day. Finally, the discipline of refusal within this context of of silence and solitude is what cultivates a listening heart. Because listening is a discipline, isn't it? Ask any husband and wife, and they will tell you, listening is a discipline. It, It doesn't come naturally because listening by nature is selfless. And you and I by nature, are selfish. And so listening is truly a learned skill. 
It, it takes time. A good listener is always patient. They're willing to wait. They humbly put aside their own agenda in order to understand the needs of someone else. The Bible speaks often about waiting on the Lord, doesn't it? And I believe that one of the reasons that we are called to wait upon the Lord is because it reminds us of our need to listen. It puts us in a place where we set aside our own agenda and we listen for His. We submit our will to His will. Silence and solitude is often called the the furnace of transformation because it's here where we lay down our life. It's here where we die to self. It's here where we submit our will to the will of the Father. So often we ask, well, what is God's will for my life? Well, I don't know what God's will for your life is, but I do know that you can only learn what it is when you learn to listen especially by being still and being quiet. Have you ever noticed how listening cultivates an honesty in your heart? You see, when we're full of words, when we talk more than we listen, even in our time with God, we can end up convincing ourselves that are simply not true when the only voice we hear is our own. If solitude and is the furnace of transformation, then, then silence is the refining fire. This reminds me of the encounter that Isaiah had with the holy living God. You remember that? Isaiah chapter 6. Remember the seraphim that surrounded that indescribable throne and they said, Holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is full of your glory. Isaiah is there taking in this wonder. And do you remember what he says? He says, woe is me. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then look at what happens next. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips and your iniquity is taken away and your sin is forgiven. And then following this, the Lord gives Isaiah God's calling upon his life. It's as if the the cold on the lips of Isaiah was a holy way of saying, Shh, shh, listen. Listen and be still. You will always, always hear the voice of God best when you're quiet and you listen for His voice. Well, I knew we wouldn't get through all of them. But that's okay because we're going to do something a little different. Instead of giving you an application that you may or may not do when you leave this place, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. If Chris and everyone will come up, what we're going to do is just going to take some time to give you an opportunity to go before the Lord with the things that we've talked about this morning. As you go before the Lord, you may want to ask the Lord what it is in your life that needs to die so that His truth can come alive. 
Perhaps you should ask God to show you the ways that you're being carried along by the current of the culture that you need to step away from. And I would encourage all of us to ask God to show us ways to to cultivate the discipline of silence and solitude where we simply go before the Lord and we listen. We're going to take just a few minutes to do that and uh, ask that you use this opportunity and then we'll close in some worship together.